You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Put that in your pipe and smoke it and see what you come up with. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. I am your host, Jamie Arrington, broadcasting from the Eagle Broadcasting Studios here in beautiful Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Here with your weekly break, or actually a weekly, here with your break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda and the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. On the line now, Southern Miss Black Ops tailgate legend Jason Bailey. Greetings and salutations. What's up, buddy? We've had a break for a couple of weeks. Coming back, I don't know how long of a streak we'll keep up uh, this time around. Just uh, things getting kind of hairy with work and life and the like. So uh, we're going to enjoy this episode while we can. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. Got a lot to catch up on. Um, you know, been a lot of baseball games lately and uh, reading a lot about uh, the upcoming spring game of football. So. Let's get into it. So we got a lot to talk about. Right now it's the middle of baseball season. Spring practice is in full swing. We got a huge baseball signee. We got a pair of big ugly commits from South Mississippi on the offensive line. And today is Jeremy Cooper's birthday. Hey, Coop. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Coop. Um it's it has been a few weeks since we've been on the air. It's been even more weeks since we've been on the air together. And there was a big announcement a few weeks back that Southern Miss alum Jimmy Buffett would be coming to Hattiesburg to the Sanger on April the 26th. Yeah, and uh, yours truly somehow was one of the lucky ones that had tickets. Can't believe it happened. This might be the only time I've ever been lucky in my life. And, um, you know... I've seen all the, uh, I've seen all the outcry on Twitter and how it was rigged and blah, 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 blah. I got my tickets and I don't know how it happened, but I'm glad it happened. And, uh, you know, you're going to have something out in front of the singer before the thing starts that night. Some kind of Margaritaville out in the street. So everybody come join me there. And I'm um, honestly, I'm still waiting for them to call me and say, you know what? That was ticket number 1001 and 1002. Yours don't count. <laughs> yeah, um, it's literally the equivalent of winning the lottery. When you look at everybody who tried to get tickets and wasn't able, and, and wasn't, and they weren't able to get those tickets. I mean, it they didn't, they they didn't last very long. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of Cooper just a minute ago, talking with him about it, he couldn't believe that I got tickets, and he, I think one of his neighbors went and sat outside of the Sanger and sat there for like five hours. He was the second person in line. Uh, the first person got two tickets, and they told him that it was already sold out. So, I mean, it's not that I don't feel bad. And if I was in that situation, I would feel bad also. But, you know, Willie Nelson came here a few years back with the Brewskies, an intimate thing, you know, right there with like 350 people. You don't get to do that with Willie Nelson. I tried to get tickets. I was like one minute late. I don't remember being this, you know, pissed off about it. But, like I said... I'm glad he's coming. I wish he would, uh, I wish he would somehow just, I don't know, just say, you know what, it's sold out. Let's do another show the next night. Which is not unprecedented, by the way. 
Back when I was in high school, Garth Brooks came to the Jackson Coliseum. They sold out really quick, and this is before the internet, so people were actually, you know, I guess you were calling on the phone or standing outside in a line. Sold out that first night, um, so he did another show the next night. Sold that one out real quick, so he did a third. Three in a row. So, hey, maybe Buffett will, uh, maybe Buffett will step up to the plate and play three nights in a row. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Um, also, we haven't announced this yet, but uh, we've, we've pretty much got the 2018 Last for Life show locked in. We're going to be announcing it in May. It's going to be another big deal. going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, past two years, we've had some great shows. This year will be no different. So be sure you keep up with all the social media and whatnot. I'm sure there's going to be billboards and announcements and press releases and all that good stuff. But we'll, we'll be announcing this year's Laughs for Life comedy show and uh, myeloma slash cancer benefit show in the next few weeks. If you're an Eagle Club member, you received an email today. And you and you probably received an email yesterday, maybe. From John Gilbert, just kind of laying out, you know, his thoughts on everything going on right now. And one of the emails they sent out, it said, uh, this, this, uh, this month's version of To the Top Talk. That's what they called it in the email, which was hilarious. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, list, Jenny, one of the listeners, uh, Sent sent me a photo, and I mean it doesn't hurt my feelings at all. It's just kind of I think he just calls it to the top or whatever. But whoever sent out the email sent to the top talk on it, so that was hilarious. But um, <laughs> he sent out an email today, and it was basically called like Eagle Vision, and it's kind of the Department of Athletics key priorities. So if you didn't get this email, first off, join the Eagle Club so you can be in on stuff like this. But it basically broke down all the needs and how much money we had raised to meet those needs and how much more we're going to need to meet other needs. So it really gives you an idea about where we're at, where we need to be. Um, and, and they've got, you know, plans in place for all these and an estimated amount of what they're going to cost. So, you know, probably to the tune of about $18 million, but, um, they give you a timeline on how long it's going to take. Like right now, looking at the Football Excellence Fund, the estimated project cost $1,575,000. And then there's some opportunities to participate in this. Like stadium sound system upgrades is going to cost around $600,000. So if you've got $600,000 lying around, that's what it's going to cost to fix that sound system. So be sure that... uh you get out there and help us out with that because that's that's a really big need. Um, you look even further into the list, they've got things like the Bauer Academic Center, um, the amount that's been raised, the amount it's going to cost to finish, and, you know, upgrades to the Athletic Center, upgrades to the M Club and Nutrition Center, soccer track, the beach volleyball court. Um, you know, there's, there's different opportunities out there and ways to get involved, so... Uh, we need some money. We need to win. You need to really hit the lottery instead of just getting Buffett tickets. Or maybe what we could have done is buy all these Buffett tickets up and then scalp them because that looks like it's a huge fundraiser. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. Those robots. But, uh, well, you know, I, I gotta check my emails. I got another email from John. Um, that wasn't quite that detailed. Well, it, it has an attachment. 
Okay. You have to click on the attachment. That's cool, man. It's cool that you kind of put it all out there. And as long as we're talking about Eagle Club stuff, everybody listening to this has probably already joined up to Eagle Club. Um, but everybody, you know, you, you got to grab somebody by the hand. You got to lead them up there. You got to show them how to do it, just like you did with me. I know we talked about that before. I was around forever, just as big a fan as I've ever been. I wasn't involved in Eagle Club because nobody took me by the hand until you did it. So go out there, grab somebody, get them started off with $150 a year, and hopefully they move up from there, whatever you're comfortable with. But we have the people. Just in Hattiesburg, we have enough people to do it to, to be successful you know, financially and to meet all those uh, numbers that Gilbert put out there. But the good thing about Southern Miss grads is we, we branch out to all kinds of parts of the country and uh everybody just gives a little bit. It can absolutely go a long way. Well, let's get to the happenings of right now. Southern Miss baseball, middle of the season, we're in full swing. Won't be long before we get to that conference tournament down in Biloxi. Jason, bring us up to date on what's been going on with Southern Miss baseball. Well like, you know we haven't we haven't done a show in a little while. Um so I kind of went back and, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit some of this stuff really, really quick. Um, but just uh, right now, our, the Southern Miss record sits at 22 and 10, 16 and 4 at home, 4 and 4 on the road, currently 8 and 3 in Conference USA. Going all, all the way back to, I don't think we've reported on anything since the Rice Series. That, the Rice Series was crazy. Um we uh, won the first game so back in uh, March 30th, 31st, and April 1st. Uh, game one, won that game 12 to one. Uh, limited Rice to three hits. Walner had three hits. Hanlon, eight innings pitched, two hits, zero earned runs, 13 Ks. Uh, game two, won that game as well, eight to seven. Lebo hit a homer. USM answered a six-run seventh by Rice with a five-run bottom of the ninth to go to Hector's. We actually won that game in 12 innings. I was at that game, and I was actually sitting out there with John Adams when this happened. We were down to our last out in the last inning, down by five. Two outs, two strikes on the batter. He hit a routine fly ball in the outfield that was lost in the sun and dropped. And that just started off a, just a um, the domino effect. Luke Reynolds comes into the plate, limps up there, didn't play the whole game, hit it off the wall, did his best Kurt Nixon impression, tied it up. We used seven pitchers total, but none of them, Matt Walner, uh, ended up with a uh, walk-off single. That game was awesome. The last game of the Rice Series, we lost it 7-6. to six. But honestly, we could have lost two out of three. So the weird thing about that game, and I don't know if you're listening to it, Jamie, but there was a balk called by the home plate umpire, and Wayne Graham goes out there and argues it, and the, and the call is actually overturned, which you never see happen. Um, and, you know, like I said, we lost that game 7-6, to six, so that one run mattered uh, quite a bit. Um, and Matt Walner hit a grand slam. We'll get to that. We'll get to a little bit more of that in a second. Um then we go on to uh, Ulala. We played them uh, that midweek on the first game, nine to eight. Walner hit another slam. Um, JT Keys went four and a third, gave up three solid outings. Uh, Brian Bowen actually singled the left to walk it off in that game, uh, talking about the uh, 
the Taylor Park Magic uh, after the game in the presser. Next night on the fourth, lost seven to four. You la la, Cody Carroll took the loss, had a rough night, two in the pitch, three runs, three earned. And then uh, we get to the Western Kentucky series. Uh, that was this past weekend. And um won the first game eight to two. Slater with the seventh home run. Luke Reynolds with three RBIs. Here's the kicker with that one. Anybody in the Southern Miss fan follows Twitter. Just started freaking out in the second inning because Nick Sandlin only pitched one of those innings and then he came out. Since then we've heard that his shoulder soreness. Um Adam Jackson kind of picked up the slack there with four innings pitch and got the win, but you know, I don't know, we'll get to the games coming up, but it doesn't look like Sandlin's gonna return anytime soon. The next uh, the next day after uh, after winning that first game at two, we lost seven to one. Uh, Stevie Powers was a little bit of a rough outing. Just a sloppy game all around. You assume three errors. Um, one bright spot was that Cody Carroll did come in for the four innings, giving up zero runs. Um, then April 8th, the last game, we just absolutely totally dominated. Uh, limited uh, WKU to only three hits. Walker Powell with a solid, solid outing, seven innings, three hits, one run. And uh, Walker hit his eighth home run. And Gabe Montenegro hit his first home as a goal that's pretty much caught up except for the Ole Miss game, and, you know, there's not a lot to talk about there. <laughs> no, we certainly don't want to talk about Mississippi-Oxford. The Golden Eagle Golden Eagles are playing at Florida International University this weekend. That's Friday, April 13th through Sunday, April 15th. According to Jason Munn, Stephen, Stevie Powers will take them out on Friday night, Walker Powell on Saturday, and then TBA on Sunday. So we'll see how that plays out. Then on Tuesday... The Golden Eagles, that's Tuesday, April 17th. The Golden Eagles will be at Southeastern Louisiana at 6 p.m. Currently in the rankings in Baseball America, Southern Miss is ranked 12th. In D1 Baseball, 13th. And in Perfect Game, 14th. RPI is sitting at around 51 right now. So not really sure how that's going to, you know, how that's, we, we only have one top one top 50 team left on the schedule for the rest of the season. So maybe some folks can move up and maybe some of the guys we've uh, defeated can move up as well. All right, let's talk a little Southern Miss football. Eagle Fest weekend is coming up on Saturday, April the 21st. Uh, they're going to start off with the youth football clinic. Happens every year, free and open to the public, ages 4th to through 8th grade. Or is that ages four through eighth grade? Because that's not really an age, the grade. But I'm just reading <laughs> off the reading off the thing here. Uh, at, at the MM Robert Stadium from ten till eleven, they're going to have registration at nine a.m. Also, the Champions Brunch is going to be from ten to eleven thirty a.m. Uh, up there in the Touchdown Club, honoring John Cox this year. The guests are going to be Jeff Bauer, Hill Denson, William Lewis, and Rick Cleveland. Then at noon, the black and gold spring game is going down at the Rock, of course. Honorary coaches are Jim Carmody and Curly Hallman. And then at 2 p.m. at the Pete, it's going to be letter winner's day as the Golden Eagles take on Middle Tennessee State. So you got an action-packed weekend of Southern Miss Athletics back in Hattiesburg. Hope to see everybody out there next weekend. Well, we're in full swing with spring practice right now. 
you know, you got some guys stepping up. You got some new guys that we're looking forward to seeing. And you've got some position battles that are going to probably not be decided until all the way up until we take on Jackson State. So, Jason, what uh, what are you looking forward to seeing at this spring game next week? Well, number one, in true Hattiesburg fashion, you know what else is going on the same day as the spring game? The crawfish, downtown crawfish jam. Yeah. What in the world? <laughs> I don't know why we can't work this out. Um well, uh, make it easy. I'm just not gonna go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely not going. But I just, I, I hate even having to make a decision. On one hand, I like the fact that there is a decision to be made. Hattiesburg school enough where you have to make a choice. But, I mean, come on. You know, the same kind of people that want to go hang out in the roost and, you know, go to the Champions Brunch. Also want to do the other thing. But anyway, what am I looking forward to? Uh, well, everybody's looking forward to watching the quarterbacks actually throw the football. I've never seen Mark Rodriguez throw the football. I've never seen Jack Abraham throw the football. Um, I don't know if Griggs is going to be available for it. No, he I saw him at a gas station the other day, kind of limping around, wasn't good. Um, and, and you know, and don't don't forget about Keon. Uh, and uh, and look at the running backs. You know, um, I must say on the offensive side of the ball, but. Those two positions that everybody can kind of look at, and everybody has been watching arguably the best running back in history of our school play for the last four years, and Nita Smith. Um, so I know we have a bunch of running backs right behind. Um, is T. Rod Daniels going to step up? Uh, what does Steven Anderson look like back there? Nothing but good reports coming out about him. I know you loved him coming out of high school as a quarterback, and compared him to uh, David Garrard, uh, and I can't imagine David Garrard was a running back. It would be like Steve McNair would be the running back or something. So, I, I can't, I, you know, I want to see take some carries. Um, and then outside of that, uh, it's kind of hard with spring games, you know. Um, if, if, you have a mo- if you have a mobile quarterback, as soon as he touched by a fingernail, he's sacked. Um, so, it's kind of weird on that side of it. But really, I just want to see the ball come out of the quarterback's hands, and I want to see the running backs get to battle and see who's going to come out on top because the good thing is we have a bunch of them. The bad thing is we don't really know who's going to be the starter yet. Uh, who do you think is going to start running back right now? You think I mean, Tez probably, probably has the edge. but You would think Tez, but I don't think it's going to be a – I mean, regardless of who it is or, or what it is, it, it's probably not – it's probably going to be by committee all year. I don't think you're going to see – you know, anybody just go in and, and, and take over a position regardless. And, you know, there's some reports that Darius Mayberry could be ready earlier than they're expecting. Right. So, right. you know, he's going to factor in. I'm really curious about Steven Anderson. You know, I haven't been to practice, but I've, all the reports, all the interviews you see, he's he sounds like he's really mixing it up there. We're talking about a guy that came in as a quarterback, had a monster arm. They ran him as a tight end on the scout team. And now they've kind of converted and they kind of moved into like an H back and then they kind of got him, you know, back, running back and he's just mowing over people, not afraid of contact. You know, he's just got to learn the position, but it sounds like he's got some moves to him and I really want to see what he can do. Uh, you talk about the quarterback position. I think the first week there was a, you know, it kind of felt like everybody was in the mix, but as time has progressed, 
if you check out uh, reports from various sites, as well as Jason Munns' uh, coverage with the Hattiesburg American, it kind of seems like Jack Abraham is kind of separating himself with the, from the pack with his ability to um, read defenses and make, make accurate throws. Uh, Keon had a good, you know, has had some good times. Um, Marcelo, of course, has had some good throws, but still trying to kind of learn the position at this level. But it, it kind of feels like Jake Abraham is, has the, uh, the edge there. Um, some things I'm looking forward to seeing. I want to see some of this depth up front on the offensive line. It, we've got some young guys. We've got some guys that, you know, played last year and were younger, but now we actually have some depth and probably have enough offensive line depth to even have some depth on the scout team. So that's, that's really good. Um, two, you've, you, the defense apparently has been dominating at the scrimmages, you know, uh, so that's what makes the spring games a little boring when it comes to having Jay Hobson, but you know, you want those, that defense to be there in the fall. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the quarterbacks, the running backs. We've got some injuries at wide receiver right now. So you're not going to see the full wide receiver core. Um, and, and on defense, some of these younger guys stepping up, Picasso Nelson is back and you've got the dual defensive coordinators that, um, which, what they're doing, I believe, schematically, I don't know if it's the same, but they're going to have one coach on the field and one up in the box, kind of like we did with Dish and Duggan back in the 2011 season, and, and we saw how that played out. So hopefully that's going to be a good thing. Everybody come out to the Rock. It's free. Come out and enjoy the spring game and get to see some of these guys before they move on to the next level. How you like that transition? Let's talk pro day. <laughs> Um, hey, and, and real quick, like talking about the, the spring, like you know how the spring game goes. Isn't it weird how when we had Fedora, you know, every, both both offenses just running up and down the field, and uh, you know, like scores like forty two to thirty something, and then uh, if you get a defensive minded coach, and you get, you know, through half the game, you're going. I don't know if anybody's going to score. <laughs> right. Really, the spring game really kind of takes on the personality of the coach. And then, uh, as a fan, what do you want to see? Do you want to see a bunch of points scored and then you're scratching your head going, oh my goodness, that's great, but we can't stop anybody? Or do you want to see exactly the opposite? I don't know. Maybe you want to see like a 21 to 19 <laughs> game with a, with a perfect mix, but it's just kind of weird how that dynamic plays out. Well, you know, in, in, in regard to the past two years, so Hobson's first year, you, you still had Nick Mullins, but you're, you're basically changing some things schematically on offense. And then you have a Jay Hobson defense, which is, you know, it's there to confuse. And so they were able to get through and Nick wasn't able to do a lot. Then last year, you have, you know, some guys missing on the offensive line. You have, you know, some guys that moved on. You got some young guys that have to move up and play. And you kind of had, and they didn't put the first team offensive line together. So you kind of had this makeshift offensive line on both sides of the ball. And then you have, you know, um, Key and, and Quadre who had moments, but aren't necessarily the most consistent, um, w- with accuracy. So, you know, this year you get, you'll have Marcelo in the mix. You'll have Abraham in the mix. You'll have, you know, a uh, 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 Keon with another year of experience in the mix. You'll have some depth on the offensive line. So maybe they'll be able to move the ball a little bit easier. And, you know, two, they put them in positions and you know, they may have goal line, um, 
you know, they may run some, run some plays from the goal line, regardless of whether or not we can take it down the field. But there have been some long touchdown plays in the scrimmages if, if you check out the report. So I'm, I'm, this kind of feels like the most interesting spring game we've had in the past few years. Yeah, and not only interesting to people that follow it as closely as you do, but also interesting to people that can just go out and say, hey, that's a new quarterback. That's a new running back. That's pretty easy to spot out, you know, even if like you're like my wife and she just goes for the tailgate food. But uh so so it's kind of something for everybody and, and everybody it's something everybody can pick out pretty easily from uh from sitting in the stand. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody there. Well Southern Miss had their pro day a few weeks back and we've got quite a few guys that had had a great time. Now I didn't get the comprehensive stat stats. I don't have the comprehensive list of teams that these players have met with or have interest with, but I did make some notes here and there, and this is this is what I was able to gather. So there's definitely more of this out there. They there's drills I didn't get the results of for certain players, but um I guess if you search around the net, maybe you can find it. I try to do a good job, but we'll see how it goes. So Edo Smith had a really solid day, 40 yard dash. Um, Again, this is not the official time. I saw a, a time of uh, 4.49. If that's accurate, he would have been fifth at the combine, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but some had him faster than that. Some had him slower than that. It's I, I don't know what the true results are from these things. Bench press, hard to fake that. He got 22 of uh, 225 pounds, which would have placed him fifth had he gone to the combine. The day before Pro Day, he met with both the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins. He's got visits scheduled, or he has already completed visits to the Colts, Cowboys, Titans, Rams, and Seahawks. And also, the Panthers have shown interest. So, you know, Ito's a guy that you, you got to think has options, and a guy that you think is probably going to end up getting drafted in less than two weeks. You know, it's really, and at least to me, that's that time of the 40 kind of exceeded my expectations. Because when you think about Ito, you think about a guy you can't tackle on a phone booth as quick as he can be, just um, maybe the best start-stop in the country. And you never really talk about top-end speed. But that's kind of some top-end speed there. So as far as maybe going as a late round or undrafted, maybe that 40 time, and he ran a couple of them, right? And they are both like right, right next to each other, so... Um, I think that 40 time might, you know, kind of propel him up the board a little bit. I think Ito's still going to have to prove himself as a blocker. Um, but as far as, uh, catching the ball, running the ball, starting to stop in, now we can include top end speed. That's got to help him out in the uh, draft process, I would think. Well, and you look at these teams that he's, you know, met with or meeting with, you know, teams like the Cowboys, um, the Rams, you know, Ito would be, kind of a change of pace back. You know, they've kind of right. got their lead back. And then, you know, met with the Patriots and they just they just lost a couple of guys, you know, back there. And he's the guy that can fill that Deion Lewis, that James White role. So, you know, those are teams that, that could be interesting fits for Edo. Um next up, Corey Robertson didn't really do too much at Pro Day. He kind of stuck with the numbers he had at the combine. He ran a couple of drills, you know receiving drills. Um, he met with the Saints and the Dolphins uh, prior to Pro Day. 
Also, he uh, had a meeting scheduled with the Dolphins. I know he's got interest from the Redskins and Colts. Um, haven't seen much more on that, but I'm sure there's more chatter out there about where Corey may or may not go. But the interesting thing about Corey is at the Combine, he met with the Saints, and then he turned around and met with the Saints again prior to Pro Day. So that could be interesting. Well, well documented, but my favorite player. <laughs> and uh, if your favorite player has a chance to go to your favorite team, um, that's really good. And and well, and not just that, but I mean, he can help. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic player, and he could you know go into an offense um, run by Tatum and Breeze. Uh, that is humongously intriguing for me. And to your point, having the first interview and then the follow-up, that's at least um, that's at least kind of a step in the right direction to becoming a dream come true for myself. <laughs> so, so hopefully that hopefully that pans out, man. And and as far as Edo goes, if he gets drafted by the Patriots, uh, fantasy team. You know where where I think is an interesting fit for Edo is the Cowboys. Because they still have a solid line up front. You know Zeke's going to be the bell cow. But having a line, I mean, you and I could run behind that line they've got over there. So, you know, imagine what somebody like Ito can do. I'm not saying that's where I hope he goes. But it's definitely an interesting fit because the Cowboys always seem to dig into the depth chart when it comes to running backs as they go through the season. Yeah, can't argue with that. You want to go where the, where you have an offensive line to run behind, they sure got one. Um, as much as I dislike the Cowboys, uh, I would have to, I don't know about buy a Cowboy jersey, <laughs> but I would definitely tune in more Cowboy games. Yeah, I mean, I get nervous when I see, like, interest from, like, the Panthers. I, you know, if they could avoid the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Bucks, I'd be happy. Although, you know, Todd Munkin's down there, so, so nothing's, uh, you can't put anything past him. Um, but the player who really helped himself more than anybody, and I think I've seen some articles out there on the web, that he may have helped himself more than any player that did not go to the combine. But uh, Southern Miss safety Tavarius Moore had an amazing pro day. We knew he had the athletic ability. You know, you'd kind of he played in um, one of the postseason bowl games, and but you kind of hoped that. Some team would take notice of him because you knew he had the athletic ability. I mean, he, what do you make, like six interceptions this year? That's just off the top of my head. I don't have any notes on that. But he was an athlete, and he showed it at Pro Day. For example, this is for a safety. The 40-yard dash, 4.32 seconds. That's unheard of. Had he gone to the combine, he would have been first out of all the safeties there. Um, his vertical, 38.5 inches, would have made him sixth. His broad jump, 11 uh, feet, one inch, would have been third. So he's a guy that really, you know, went from somebody who you kind of heard chatter about being an undrafted free agent to somebody that's more than certainly going to be drafted and may be the first Golden Eagle drafted out of all of them when, when it's all said and done. He's got visits scheduled or has made visits to the Bears, Browns, Cardinals, Colts, Dolphins, Jets, and Texans. I'm sure there's more interest than that, but I mean, if you can get a safety that could run that fast, I mean, that's, it may take him a year or two to kind of get the game down, but I mean, those are, those are attributes that you can't coach. 
I don't remember if it, like when exactly it was, but and this is when we were still doing the radio show. But I remember maybe a few games in or halfway through the season, it seemed like every game we were talking about this guy. You know, we were talking about something that he did, something about how he closed uh, the gap on the guy running on the sideline or how you see he was a ball hawk or he made an interception. Or, and he just really started to stick out and make plays every single game. Um, and maybe he was kind of over, overshadowed entering into the draft by, you know, the offensive guys that we had, Corey and Ito. But, I mean, you put up numbers like that, 4-3-2? That's absolutely, just completely unheard of. It's coming from the safety spot. Um, I mean, do you think that maybe people would look at that and think transition to corner? Is that possible? I think with his size, and I think he's going to probably end up playing free safety. You look at the way that he handles the run. Um, you know, if you go back and watch his videos, the highlights I see, and I mean, he's just pretty much just a guy that with the speed to run up and stuff the run. I mean, he's he's not afraid to hit anybody. So, right, I, I see him with his size. I see him saying it, staying at uh, free safety, um, and being somebody who can definitely contribute on special teams right away. So, um, I, I think that I think he. I'm 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 not saying that this is going to happen, but it seems very likely that he could be the first Golden Eagle drafted, just based on the draft chatter that's out there now. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it was Ito or Corey at this point, but I think we've got at least three Golden Eagles now that that should be drafted, and there's a few more that have a, a shot as well. Um, another guy that helped himself, according to Gil Brandt, Julian Allen, 40-yard dash time of four. Point six two seconds, which would have put him at second at the combine for all tight ends. Bench, he benched 225 pounds, 26 reps, which would have made him first. Vertical of 36 inches, which would have put him at third. And a broad jump of 10 feet, 2 inches, which would have put him at third as well. He, um, he had a workout scheduled with the Saints. Also has interest from the Chiefs, Cowboys, Raiders, Seahawks, among others. You know, Julian Allen is a guy that I know you were really looking forward to watching this. I mean, Golden Eagle fans were really looking forward to watching Julian Allen. He came down with some injuries early in the season, and they never quite used him the way that you would have thought that they would. So maybe he can make that transition to the next level. He's definitely got the athletic ability, and I think he's got the receiving and blocking ability as well to make an NFL roster, if not more. Yeah, uh, we're talking about Tamiris Moore, how we talked about him kind of like as we got into the season. Uh, exactly opposite with Julian Allen. We talked about him a lot uh, at the very beginning of the season. Then as the season went on, we just kind of gave up. Not, 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 nothing from anything that he did. But like you said, went through a few injuries, came back, but then just never ran any routes. You know, it just is what it is. And there's no reason to get into the whole, what do we do with our offense with Shannon Dawson thing? Because we still put up points, we still put up numbers. This guy's an absolute monster. He's a beast, he's strong, he's big, he's a mismatch. Um, every time you line him up on a linebacker, he just is. And, um, and I, th- I think that he, you know, as far as being draftable, yeah, probably not. But as far as like getting in and making a squad, this is a guy I can do. Even if he doesn't end up as a receiving tight end, 
talking about a guy who can be used as a blocking tight end, a guy who can probably be used in special teams, a guy that has max effort all the time, strong as an ox, fast, um, and stay injury free. He, uh, you know, he could, I, I don't want to make any predictions, but I mean, he's got the ability to be, to be, to be great. And he's really, he, he does. He has that ability. And uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if it happens, but uh, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. And I, I really hope that everything goes well for Julian. Yeah, you, you can't help but love the guy. And with the premium that the NFL has on athletic tight ends now, um, it wouldn't shock me if someone, someone jumped in there and drafted him in the, you know, towards the end. But, um, you know, the lack of production, the lack of stats is probably going to hurt him to the point where that may not happen. But the athletic ability is there. I mean, you look at some of the tight ends that have been drafted, guys like, you know, Jimmy Graham, who I don't know if he had played really a down of football, if I'm not mistaken. So Miami, right? Miami basketball? Miami basketball, that's correct. Yeah. Antonio Gates, I think he played at football at Kent State, but I know he played basketball because his roommate was uh, Justin Phelps, the old director of basketball ops at USM. Huh. Okay. That so, interesting stuff there. Uh, a couple of other notable performances from Southern Miss Pro Day. Um, Curtis Michael, 40-yard dash, 4.35. We knew he was fast. Speedy was fast. That would put him fourth at the combine for um, – Cornerbacks, he was invited to attend Texans local day and has had interest from the Rams and Chargers. Uh, Cornell Armstrong had a, another guy that helped his cause. 40 yard dash of 4.42, which would made him eighth out of cornerbacks. Uh, he had a vertical of 37.5, which would have, would have made him eighth and a broad jump of 10 feet, five inches, which would have left him at seventh. Uh, also Jomez Applewhite, 40 yard dash 4.42. Would have had him at eighth for cornerbacks, vertical of 38, which would have had him at fifth at the combine had he gone. Uh, 16 on the bench, which would have made him eighth. Broad jump, uh, 11 feet straight up, which would have made him third. Alan Zay had a good good uh, showing as well, 40-yard dash, 4.53, a vertical of 37 inches, which would have made him eighth out of wide receivers, and a broad jump of 10 feet 7 inches, which would have made him sixth. And Alan Zay is a guy that, you know, he had a monster year his junior year and had a, had a very solid year his senior year, not quite as good. Some of that probably came down to the, you know, inconsistencies at quarterback between the two we had with injuries and everything else. But he's definitely got the ability to, to catch the ball out of the slot. And I think he caught most every ball that was catchable, if I'm not mistaken. So. It wouldn't shock me for him to get a shot at somewhere as well. Yes. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed everybody just named off gets their opportunity and makes the most of it. But everybody can't make it. It's um, it's really tough to make it. Um, it's really tough to get a shot. You know, and if, if somebody does open up that door, you got to be able to bust it down. And if your guy's like speedy, you got to run faster than everybody else. you got to be you got to do your job. Um, if you're a guy like Alonzo, you can't show up and, and drop some balls. If you're a guy like Julian, you have to stay healthy, and you have to outwork everybody on the field. So it's good that that, that all these guys are, are kind of are hopefully going to get their shot. And Southern Miss has a knack 
of 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 creating these kind of these kind of players, you know, of developing these kind of players that that are just always under the radar, and years later you're wondering why they're under the radar, and um, and this is just the, the latest crop of them. And there were more players. There, there were more players than than what we mentioned. I mean, guys like Xavier Thigpen had a solid day. Rod Creighton had a solid day. So there were more guys out there who, you know, who could definitely be in the mix with the athletic ability they have. And, you know, you think about the past few years, how well we've done at the Combine or at Pro Day, how well our guys have done. And strength and conditioning, the, the program we've been under since Zach Woodfin has been huge. Totally agree. Oh, absolutely agree. And uh, and just player development. Uh, you hear guys like Freddie Maggard, you know, talking about player development. He could see it. Um, this was a guy that played college football. You know, I know people listen to the podcast have heard him on here. I heard him twice, I guess, um, talking about the Kentucky game. But I mean, there's something to it. You know, it's, it's, there's something to the attitude in Southernness. There's something to the hard-nosed, blue-collar part of it. There's something to Jay Hobson. There's something to what Woodson started. And so Jason Finley's kind of taken from there. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to put a, a, a word to it. There's, there, there's something that there's, I know what I'm trying to describe. You know what I'm saying? It's like the Southern Miss way, if you can put it like that easy. But um, it's this underdog, blue chip, hardworking thing that everybody that makes it, everybody gets drafted or gets a shot, they all got that. They just do. And these are the latest crop that, that have it. And hopefully every dead gum one of them makes it. Absolutely. Well, Staying with the football theme, so the NFL draft less than two weeks away, two weeks from tonight actually is when it gets started. So be on the lookout for that. I'm really excited uh, for this opportunity for these guys, and, and hopefully we can catch up with a few of them after the draft and, and and get a word in on how the process went and 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 the teams they ended up with. We did have a, a pair of football commits since we last spoke. Um, two of them, I think Southern Miss had a junior day on campus, had a lot of guys on campus, got two huge commits and when i say huge i mean literally huge the first one an offensive tackle out of purvis high school in purvis mississippi six seven 280 pounds matthew riles his father chris riles was on the offensive line back in the farb days uh i think chris is still working over at the first bank i haven't seen him in a couple of years but great guy matthew is a guy who had some interest from quite a few teams but pretty much told him that he was going to be a Golden Eagle the whole time. And he he made that official back on March the 24th. The other commit, another big old boy, a 6'3", 294-pound center-slash-interior lineman from D'Iberville, talking about Lewis Smith. He was a guy who originally kind of softly committed to the Golden Eagles during his sophomore year, has a laundry list of offers, you know, Arkansas State, Mississippi State, among others. But uh, he's a guy that went to a lot of camps, went around, made the rounds, uh, seems to be very sound and and somebody who can come in and contribute early in his Golden Eagle career. So those two seem to have formed a friendship 
and um, committed on the same day and are going to be hopefully going to sign with the Golden Eagles this December. So looking forward to having both of those guys on. Now, Jason, yesterday we got word of a basketball signee. You know, basketball signing day, well, the period started a couple a while back, I think, and uh, we weren't really sure what to expect as far as if we had any other additional signees. You know, we had um, Gabe Watson up out of Madison, and then we had uh, Nikolai Jaritich from Arkansas. We knew those guys were coming in, but we got a, a, a ridiculously athletically gifted commit this week and signee. From Forest Hill High School in Jackson, Mississippi, a six foot seven small forward, Ladarius, aka Crunchy Marshall, signed with the Golden Eagles yesterday. He was a Dandy Dozen member three times for the, Clar- the Clarion Ledger's annual Dandy Dozen, highlighting who they think are the best twelve basketball players in the state every year. He made that three times. Um, he chose the Golden Eagles over quite a few offers. He uh, reportedly had offers from Baylor, Memphis, Mississippi State, Ohio State, and Tennessee. There were some questions about grades, but his coach, according to uh, Jason Munns, his coach says he's good to go. So he's expecting to come in, and I, I would expect he'd contribute right away. And when we got this commit or this signee yesterday, I call you up. We start talking. We start watching YouTube videos. I found a video where he won won the Jordan Slam Dunk Contest back in 2015. I also uh, saw some video of like his eighth grade year, him matching up against Marvin Bagley, who's going to be one of the top three players drafted this year in the NBA draft. So he's a guy that's extremely athletic. If you watch him, I mean, he – most of his highlights are blocks. He's just jumping up and just taking the ball out of the air. Yeah. A very, very gifted athlete. So, I, I mean, this basketball program, hopefully we can get back to where we need to be. And players like this are certainly going to make that happen. I didn't even realize that I, – I, I don't know. Basketball has just been, like, off my radar. <laughs> but when you, when, you, when you called me that, when you texted me that day, and you said, uh, see the guy we signed, I didn't know what sport you're talking about, <laughs> you know. And then I started watching these videos, and I'm going, "Man, I guess painting the bowl at uh at Reed Green Coliseum really turned out, you know." Um, this guy, he's uh he's he's one of the guys like when we used to like when Memphis used to play, like when we, we Memphis used to come to town every single year. Uh, and we would look at their guys, and we would hang in there with them. But they just, their guys are just bigger and longer, and faster, and they just work, you know. Um, there's like thirty of them. They kept running out there. Uh, this guy reminds me of those guys. And and um, and even I remember I asked you who maybe he reminded you of. The only guy I could think of in Southern Miss, maybe a guy like Maurice Bolden. But like you said, he he looks a little more. Athletic and and um, explosive than than Mobo was, which is crazy because he's still turning up. Um, I, I don't know if there's a I don't know if there's a player you could compare him to. Um, I mean, I, I don't know that there is one really. I mean, just we've had some very athletically gifted players, but it's this guy's got an interesting skill set. So yeah, I, and, 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 you know, yeah, I, I love it how when we do get that guy, it's always oh. Well, we backed off because of the grade situation. 
how how are grades fuzzy? I, I somebody needs to explain that to me. I don't understand how great grades are pretty cut and dry. I'm glad they are. I'm glad they are <laughs> fuzzy. Yeah. I'm glad. I mean, you know, um, looking forward to seeing what what this guy can do. And and I believe Gabe Watson, the the point guard from um, oh Saint whatever's in Madison Saint, is uh, uh, Saint Joe. Saint Joe, he's a dandy dozen player as well. Like twenty eight points a game to go along oh, yeah. with what they just drained from last. You know that they showed up last year. Sure, you got more playing time if you ask me. But um, yeah, we're putting together. Well, you know, in one of the articles I read that Mundra, Doc mentioned that these guys are like college basketball players, which kind of sounds backish, but it's kind of true. <laughs> you know, um, we've got guys now. You look out there and you say. That guy looks like a college basketball player. So we'll find out if Doc has the ability to coach him up. Jerry's still out on that one. But if you need good players to excel, I think he's got them. Absolutely. And, you know, he he was a big contributor, you know, to the teams in uh, Kansas and when he was an assist in Iowa State on, you know, so – there's certain things that he lacks as far as generating excitement and the like, but you know, as far as coaching up good players, he's he's shown he can do that. So hopefully we can, you know, keep that party moving forward and just generate some excitement through wins. Absolutely. Um, another little basketball tidbit, and and I don't even know if it's necessarily worth mentioning because he's probably coming back next year. But Dominic McGee. Declared for the NBA draft. He's not hiring an agent. He's doing it to kind of test the waters and kind of get some advice on, on the process. So fully expecting to be back next year, but he did declare and is just going to kind of see how that process works out. But like I said, not hiring an agent. So he's feel, he's free to come back and uh, keep his amateur status and play college basketball for the Golden Eagles. And, and he's a guy that, uh, Certainly was fun to watch this year, and I know you said to me several times that you thought he should have received more playing time. Uh, yeah, well, there were stretches that, uh, you know, he was non-existent. And every time I gave one of my little basketball minutes on the show, you know, it seemed like if he played a whole bunch of minutes, won the game. And when he didn't play a whole bunch of minutes, we didn't win the game. And um, it definitely was not from a physical fitness Standpoint. <laughs> so whatever it was, I don't care. You know, if you got to make your little point as a coach, that's fine. Um, but he's immensely talented, and you know, with only losing one player uh, for next year, and adding these new guys, and I know we're not at full scholarships yet, but twelve out of thirteen, good gosh, that's close enough. You know, eight guys play. Every team in the country, eight guys play. So we're there. We've got experience. Um, this is what? What is this? Year four? This will be five. This is year five with Doc or four? I believe this will be the fifth. It's time. It's time to to not be. To, I mean, not that we didn't take a step forward last year, but our worst season in this particular conference USA that we have. This isn't the conference USA with Loserville, Memphis, Cincinnati. Um, Marquette, DePaul, Memphis, um, they sit in that conference USA anymore. Our worst season should be no worse than sixth place in the league every single solitary year. If you can't do it with this squad, it's time to hit the road. Absolutely. Well, 
man, we, we've got an episode in. I know it's been a few weeks and, you know, to the listeners, we appreciate it. Appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you tuning in. Just kind of bear with us here. I mean, there's, uh, there's a lot happening in life and, and, uh, you know, some days I might be okay. Jason's tied up or, you know, he's usually hitting me up when we're going to do a show and I'm just, man, I'm just, I just don't have time this week. So trying to manage work, family life, uh, any other extracurriculars as well as trying to keep up with the Golden Eagles enough to present a good show. Uh, it's a lot on the plate. So when we get to where we can do them weekly again, we'll definitely do that. And, and hopefully we can keep this stretch going for a little while, but just be patient with us and, um, you know, tell your friends, you know, help get the listeners up. We're trying to get some value to this program so that, you know, maybe we can, you know, get some sponsors and, and help spread the word and, you know, reinvest whatever sponsorship money we have back into the show and back into Southern Miss Athletics. So that's, that's kind of our whole MO with this thing. You got anything to say about that, Jason? Huge shout out to, uh, a guy that my wife ran into, Dusty Gerald, listener of the, sh- of the, uh, show. I was trying to uh, sell some advertising to my wife's uh, business where she works, <laughs> and uh, in the middle of it, they got to talking, and um, he was mentioning he was a huge Southern Miss fan. She said that I was a huge Southern Miss fan, and his his, uh, his response was, "I know, I listen to the show." <laughs> so that's great, man. I mean, that's what it's what it's all about, and you know, it ain't me, it's we, and. Um, and, and, hey, if there's anybody, honestly, if there's anybody that you want to interview or anything like that, just shoot, shoot us a, a tweet or a um, message on uh, Facebook or Twitter, and we can probably line that up. Maybe. I get <laughs> it, well, it, it, Especially if they're not currently in school. That's such a bunch of red tape, man. you got to go through the SID. you got to kind of tell them what questions you're going to ask. you got to, you know, do, it's, it's such a rigmarole. After they graduate, it's kind of, you know. Yeah, it's definitely easier. Um, well, I say that I, I've been trying to get a hold of, uh, I've been trying to get a hold of, oh, what's his name? Tavarius. I haven't been able to get a hold of him. So it, it, it may be easier to go through the. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick. I mean, since it is baseball season, I have a, uh, an interview actually lined up. I got to set it up with him again. But I got, a, I got an interview lined up. You hadn't got to listen to me, a former middle infielder, talk about it. You hadn't got to listen to anybody that just watches all the games. This is the guy that pitched, that pitched a lot, and is a USM great. I wanted to get his, his, uh, take on Sandlin's injury, on, uh, where the, where the pitching staff is as a whole, what he would do different, what he would do the same. So, I've got that set up. Whether it happens or not, kind of depends on, you know, my, uh, my, uh, day-to-day duties here as Mr. Mom, but uh, looking forward to that one if it happens. So, yeah, happens. We'll, we'll get that going, man. Um, but, man, good times on the show tonight. Thank you guys for listening. Be sure you follow us on Twitter at to the top talk at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at Bumper J Bailey. If you want to follow Fake J Hobson as well, at Fake J Hobson on Facebook as well, to the top talk, Jamie Arrington Comedy. Got a comedy show coming up in a few weeks at the Thirsty Hippo. I'm not going to be on it, but I will be in attendance. Dave Ross and Chris Charpentier at the Thirsty Hippo on April the 28th. Dave is a great friend. He just appeared on the Comedy Central show Corporate 
and he, it was an amazing episode. So looking forward to seeing him again. And then in May, we're going to have our annual Laughs for Life show. We're going to have the big announcement for that, which will happen at the Sanger in Hattiesburg later this summer. So like we said, look for To the Top Talk on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Subscribe, give us a rating and review and whatnot. Tell your friends. And as always... Southern Miss to the top.